Imagine your wedding day on white marble floors beneath crystal chandeliers and exquisite ceiling drapery. Nestled on Long Bay Point Marina in Virginia Beach, the Gala 417 is a modern and luxurious waterfront wedding venue with all-inclusive packages, award-winning catering packages, and a dedicated team of gala girls to assist you every step of the way. The Gala is the perfect place to say, I do. Your dream wedding is just a click away. Learn more at thegala417.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Deborah Hatswell and you're listening to BBR Investigations. Over the decades I've had the pleasure of speaking to thousands of people about their experiences, whether that be with a cryptid creature or an unexplained event. Every person has their own unique story to tell and each one is quite different from the last. No matter where you are in the world, coming face to face with what some describe as an abomination is not easy. For all of them, the event is life-changing. They are never quite the same again. I've been off recently as I'm really sick at the moment, I can't work. So I've combined a number of my favourite interviews, which I think you'll enjoy over the next few weeks. But tonight, I'd like to share with you two interviews that I did many years ago now, both of which I think you will agree would leave you scared, confused and full of questions. Both men were armed, yet they both felt that they could not take down what faced them, even with a high-powered rifle. In fact, our first witness said it would take a bazooka to take that thing down. This event occurred in the summer of 2011. On a camping trip in the Bumblebee campground, nestled in a dense forest near the Little North Fork River in Idaho, Joe was camping with his partner when he saw a creature that he believed was stalking around their campsite. They set up for the night and got settled in when something hidden in the trees began to stalk their dogs, described as a giant by our witness. The creature was seen by Joe as he shone his torch into the woodland. August 10th of 2011, I, my girlfriend at the time, she's my ex-girlfriend now, uh, and I had planned a camping trip at an area in here in North Idaho, outside of a town known as Kingston, Idaho. There is a recreational area called uh, Bumblebee, and Bumblebee is divided into Bumblebee Meadows, Bumblebee Campground. Right and a couple other little areas around there. Um, it encompasses an area of the little north fork of the Coeur River. So 
we had planned this big three day, three night camping trip. We were going to camp Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. And then Saturday, we were going to go on a river float trip, which is, uh, you know, the big inner tubes we blow up and, you know, people get on the river and float down the river. And uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a leisure leisure activity. Yeah. So a lot of people fill up their coolers with food and beer and whatnot and head out on the river. So that was our plan for Saturday. Now, um, so we arrived on Wednesday as kind of an advanced party. Uh, we had two other couples that were going to be coming up the next day on Thursday. And uh, so we went up and I set up all the camping equipment. I put up three tents, one for me and my girlfriend. And then one for each of the couples. And then I put up a fourth tent as just a spare in case anybody wanted to throw their backpacks or what have you in there. Mm-hmm. And and then we had a, like a tarp canopy that I put over top of our cooking area uh, where the camp stove and all that and the radio and tables were. So we did all that. We got there. We set up camp. And we got there early in the morning that Wednesday. We got there at 11 o'clock. Well, not early in the morning, but we got there earlier than most people start to set up for camping. We got there around 11 a.m. So it took us about an hour to get camp set up. And then once we were done, we just kind of milled around a little bit. And we walked up and down the stream and we went down to a place called Fat Albert's, which was a bar and restaurant up there in Bumblebee. Um, And it's where everybody gets out from their river float trip. And, And then that's where you meet your ride to go back up to get your vehicles or whatever when you get out to get into the river. So we were down there and we were talking to this, to the woman there that was working in the bar and restaurant. And she had said that her son, and just randomly, she just like said, hell, you know, by the way, my son saw, saw a Bigfoot up there. Cause there was a, there was a, uh, a Bigfoot does Bigfoot saw you, but he doesn't believe in you either sign on the door. And I, we were, it was a conversation starter and she's like, yeah, yeah. My son saw one up there a little over a year ago. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. So I, and, and then we got, we went ahead back to our camp and I cooked up these steaks and oysters and whatnot. And we had our two dogs with us. Uh, we had a uh, border collie and mm-hmm. we had a little pug by the name of Toby. Both of these dogs were extremely well behaved and very accustomed to being outdoors. We, we went back and we were just, you know, chilling by the campfire. And all of a sudden the dogs just tore off into the woods. Like they saw somebody they knew or like there was an old friend waiting for them. They didn't bark. They didn't yip. They just went boom, gone. Now I'm getting kind of, I was like really kind of frustrated at the time, you know, and I'm like, oh, darn it. Now we got to go chase after these dogs in the dark. You know, it was just getting dark. And I was where we were, you know, my girlfriend and I were, you know, jumping up out of our chairs. And I went to the cab of my truck and got a flashlight out, one of those big three cell mag lights. And I went back to the tree line thinking, okay, we got to go get the dogs. So as soon as I got to the tree line, the dogs came running out. So, and I'm like, oh, what are you guys into, you know? And the border collie ran right for the back of my pickup truck. I had a full-size Chevrolet pickup truck, and it had a cap on it, like with a, a canopy, a camper sh- like a camper shell. And uh, it, it, the dog jumped onto the tailgate. The tailgate was down because we had been unloading the truck, and I had it backed in facing our campsite. Yeah. The dog jumped into the bed of the truck and ran straight to the back corner of the bed and just cowered in the corner. 
and the pug was on right on her tail and the pug tried to jump but couldn't so uh, my girlfriend uh she was able to grab the pug up and pick him up and she sets him in and he ran straight to the back and just did everything he could i thought he was going to try to get go straight underneath the other dog they were both just staring into the woods and the the border collie who was normally a very brave animal was just shaking just like absolute a quiver and i'm like oh my we must have some kind of uh something must be in the woods like i'm thinking it's either a bear or a mountain lion so i got into the cab of my pickup truck and i got my i had a revolver um it was uh, it's it was a model 29 uh smith and western 44 magnum and i got it out i walked over to the tree line with the flashlight and uh my girlfriend Allie, she stayed there at the the the, the truck trying to calm the dogs and trying to get them to come out and i walked over to the tree line and i was shining my flashlight into the forest and now this was a strip of woods about 50 feet wide in between our campsite and our campfire and that creek, that area yeah. of the little North Fork. So distinctly, it's known as Canyon Creek in that area. Um, the little North Fork is divided into named creeks, like Canyon Creek, Teepee Creek, you know, this creek. That It just allows you to, to delineate on a map what part of the river you're on. So I'm shining the light in to the forest and I'm kind of sweeping it through from right to left. And that's when my flashlight beam cut across the Sasquatch. There was a Sasquatch standing there about 30 feet away from me, half occluded by a tree, a large pine tree. And I, 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 I was, you know, I, I didn't know what I was thinking at the time, but I just kept the flashlight beam moving. I didn't like stop and shine the light into his eyes. I just kept the beam. I swept it right across. And I, I took a big deep breath and I stepped back like, like about four or five steps. And I was, I knew right away what I saw. I didn't, I didn't need to look again. And it was unmistakable. It was, it had to be between eight and nine feet tall. I'd put it at four, four and a half feet wide because it was half occluded by a tree yet I could still see several feet of it. This thing was not hiding. It was it was not trying to be stealthy either. It was looking right at me as I crossed that, that beam across it. I, the beam went right across its chest. It was pitch black, um, like back black bear, like shiny black. And it had no neck whatsoever. Um, mm -hmm. It had a bump for where its head would be. It was just all shoulders, all chest, and extremely, extremely massive. I refer to it as a brute. For lack of a better term, I call it a brute. And it people have asked me to describe what it looked like. And I always say, take an old Datsun pickup truck, an old two-wheel drive, little Datsun, regular cab pickup truck, and stand it on its end. I, of course, went back. I said to my girlfriend, look, there's something in the woods. I saw it back there. Let's just act normally. And I'm assuming that two things happened. It smelled our food cooking, probably mm. the oysters, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers? Or... The DMV? Or... House cleaning? Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And once it saw the dogs, it was like, oh, it's dinner time. And it was after those dogs. My firm belief is it wanted, it was going to try to get those dogs. I honestly don't know what, what those things attention were at the time. So I told my girlfriend, look, there's something back there. I think it's black and it's in the woods and hmm. she was still trying to mess with those dogs. And we finally got the dogs out of the truck and we got them into a tent there. One of the, the spare tent that I had set up, yeah. uh, we just kind of shuffled them into there and they went over and just laid down and everything kind of started to calm down for a minute. And I'm thinking, I didn't hear this thing again. And I'm like, it must have moved off finally, you know. And then as soon as I sat down in my chair, I hear a twig break in the woods, probably 30 feet away, 20, 30 feet away, like roughly right where this thing was standing. Oh. So now I'm like, great, this thing is still there. And I told her, you know, look, throw some more wood on the fire. Please, let's throw some wood on the fire. So she did. She We, we loaded the fire up with a bunch of excess firewood. And that was... Um, pretty much now this went over this whole, whole event took about half an hour. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to time compress it for everybody here. So roughly I went back down and I sat down in my chair and I'm sitting there in my chair, um, for a few seconds and out of the woods, comes tumbling a rock it was a, uh, it was a it was an oval shaped rock about eight inches long and five inches wide i know this now because i still have the rock it's in my it's in my it's in my rock garden in the front of my home right now um it came flying out of the forest and it grazed right across the top of the fire and when it hit the fire it sent sparks flying all over my dining canopy and i had a, a mountain dew there um you know a, a soda beverage and i grabbed it and i poured it i jumped out of my chair and i dumped it all over the dining canopy to keep the dining canopy from catching on fire and i had pretty much had a gut full of this you know and i turned and i said look i'm armed i will shoot and i please do not you know whatever's going on just go away and i'm trying to shout at this thing and my girlfriend's like well, who are you talking to yeah. and i'm like well i said look i think there's a bigfoot back there and she's like well no kidding and i'm like okay so she she's from idaho i I was not from idaho at the time i had only been living out here a year having moved from pittsburgh and 
she and so she kind of like panicked at that point and moved way far back from the woods and went over by the truck and i took uh, i had a pistol that 44 magnum and i fired two rounds into the air and that i i thought that that was going to scare it off it did not okay. it, it agitated it even more it started breaking branches it snapped the it snapped the branch off of the tree mm. Um, it went, it, it sounded like a tree breaking startled me because I thought, okay, I just shot two. I don't know if you, I know you guys don't have a lot of guns in England, but if you ever heard a shotgun or a 44 Magnum go off, it is a very large boom. It, it totally, all it did was just make it matter. And it started breaking trees and, and then it took off. Thank goodness. It finally went splash, splash into the river, two steps. It crossed a 15 foot wide Creek. And then I heard some gravel rustle, and then it I heard some um, brush rustle. And thank goodness it didn't come back. But I was done at that point. We took everything we could get that was worth any money, the camp stove, the radio, the coolers, the dogs. We put the fire out. So I just threw everything that we could into the bed of the pickup trucks, threw the tailgate shut, and took off and drove home about 45 minutes. And, and we didn't really even talk about it on the way home. Um, and then the next morning, whenever we woke up, I was like, you know, we got to go back up there yeah. and get our stuff or do something. And you need to call your sister and I'm going to get a hold of my friend and tell them that we, we're not going to be able to do this trip. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not going in and sleeping in a tent with this nine foot tall behemoth in the woods right beside my, you know, no, yeah. and I'm certainly not taking the dogs back up there. So we went back up. Uh, gathered up our camping equipment. But nothing on the campsite was disturbed that I could tell. Um, everything, everything. I trashed the campsite as I was leaving the night before. So it, it. Uh, we grabbed everything. We just shoved the tents and everything into the bed of the truck. We didn't even fold them and put them in the bags. We just, we just shoved everything we could. Grabbed the tables up, folded them, shoved them all on top of the tents and everything. And I took a real quick look around to see if I could see any footprints or any sort of proof that this thing was there. And I showed her right where it was standing when I first saw it, when I first caught sight of it. And uh, we, 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 we looked around and we went in the woods and I found that big branch that it had snapped off. It was about five or six inches in diameter and it had snapped it off right at the tree. It was like right at like, like clean, just like it popped it right off. And um we we grabbed that rock that was lying there beside the dining canopy and i says i'm keeping this because this is a, 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 a sasquatch you just at me I don't, this is my souvenir of that night so we got in the truck and of course at the time i went back up there i went back up heavily armed this time i had my pistol with me and i had a shotgun over my shoulder because i wasn't taking any chances that time so but I didn't go back up to Bumblebee for years. Um, I just went back up there recently, just this past summer with my friend, Steve. Uh, he's kind of my research partner here out in Idaho. And we went up, I showed him where this occurred. And then he and I took a little ride up the road a few miles and we found some pretty, uh, pretty amazing stuff up there. The whole area uh, seems uh, here in the United States, we use the term squatchy. So it was pretty squatchy, I would say. But it was it was it was an extremely eye-opening experience. I'm glad it did not eat me or kill me because it could have 
easily this thing was and someone actually asked me well why didn't you shoot it i'm like buddy i didn't have a bazooka i didn't have a, an rpg on me you know this is what it would have taken to bring this thing down i couldn't even see it at this point i wasn't shining a light into the woods when that rock come flying out at me rock came out of the woods i just i my knee-jerk reaction was that's it i'm done with you 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 fired first pal I, I, I just, I let off two rounds and I didn't aim at it angle. I aimed, I aimed my barrel up in the air and that would left me two. I, I fired off two rounds that left me four if it would yeah. have come charging out of the woods and I would, that would have done nothing. I might as well just thrown my gun at it and ran away. So that I, I this thing was a massive, I, I, I'd still to this day, uh, still try to process it in my mind. I close my eyes and I can see what this thing, how big and brutish it was. In the in the Western United States, they 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 call them the giants. They probably like your Patterson Gimlin film creature, your Paul Freeman film creature. These are what they're referring to as giants, and that is what I saw. Something along the lines of the Paul Freeman creature. I would have to say that I would have made the same choice as Joe. I'd have packed up and left the area. I think it was best for all concerned. We have no idea what the creature's intention was. But from its actions, I would say that Joe, his partner and the dogs were not welcome. Throwing rocks at campers is usually a sign that you're not wanted in an area by someone or something. It's usually a diversionary tactic to move you on your way. The local woman who shared her son's experience tells me that the creature had been in the area for quite some time. There may have even been numerous creatures or it was just the fact that they both saw the same creature as it made its way back and forth in pursuit of food. We'll never know for certain, but the area itself has a high number of Sasquatch and Bigfoot reports, some people claiming there are over 60 in that area alone. In 2010, another couple enjoying the area's leisure opportunities also had rocks thrown at them whilst camping with their dog along the river's edge. The wife made the report on behalf of herself and her husband. And she said, in the summer of 2010, my husband and I had a strange encounter whilst camping along the water close to the Bumblebee campground. Whatever stalked us that night threw rocks in the water around us. And while my husband slept, it came really close and it was walking around our tent. It stayed all night outside growling at us and throwing rocks and making these awful guttural sounds. We left early at sunrise and I didn't sleep all night. Between our dog barking and that thing throwing rocks, it was impossible. I seriously wanted to get the heck out of there. It still haunts me. To be honest, it really scared the heck out of me. In our second case tonight, we moved to the Slave Lake area of Alberta, Canada. Randy is a guide and a seasoned hunter. He's lived in the area his whole life. He hunts regularly and knows the forests and tundra here like the back of his hand. Randy set out one day in search of moose. He parked his car away from his hunting site and then he sat in wait and listened to the forest, sitting as still and as quiet as possible. Randy was not prepared for what happened next. An impossible creature that Randy could not identify. Leftovers. Or... 
the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Came roaring from the woods and it was screaming in rage. And as the creature cleared the gap between Randy and itself, a moose that was trying to stay hidden bolted from the underbrush. The creature swiped at the moose with its huge hands and the battle began. Now the moose was a huge bull and it looked terrified. Its eyes were rolled back and it was making a screaming noise. Randy said, I've never heard an animal make that noise before. I couldn't understand what I was seeing on the back of the moose as there was this huge creature. Randy watched in awe as the two creatures battled each other in a life or death event. The creature was thickly muscled, had hands and feet, no neck, and was very tall. At one point, the moose kicked the creature, and Randy thought that the end of the battle would be soon. Instead, the creature brought the moose down to the ground. After swiping at the moose over and over with its huge hands, the creature got itself into a position where it had its arms around the moose's neck. It pulled backwards, and the moose went down. Everything went completely silent. At which point, Randy walked out as silently as he could. Realising that there may be more than one creature in the woods really worried Randy. And he set off for home as quickly as the dirt road would allow him to. Here's an interview with Randy where he speaks about the events that happened that day. I had some time off from work and... Um... I loaded up um, my, uh, two or three different rifles. I think I had three rifles with me at the time and, uh, and my shotgun. And I had all my tags because I was looking for moose or bear, um, whitetail, mule, deer. Um, and um, off I went in my truck north of uh, a town called Westlock in Alberta. And I, I, I drove... Uh, almost all the way up to uh, Slave Lake. And uh, then I, I went uh, off the highway on a, on a just a little skidster road, I guess you would call it. It wasn't really a road. Um, part of it was, but um, as I went down the road, not even a mile or so, it became um, clear that they were just going into this area. It had never been uh, logged out before, or, and there wasn't any oil exploration in that area. So it was this solid timber. And uh, so I started following that road with my truck. And um, it had rained probably uh, several days beforehand, quite heavily. And this was probably the first real dry day that you would even dare go into the woods. And um, I got to a point where I thought I better not drive my truck anymore. And it was almost, uh, well, we weren't going east anymore. We were, I was probably 20. 20 kilometers into the woods and uh, got out of my truck. I turned my truck around real careful and then uh, I got my uh, got my tags and everything lined up so I knew where they were and I thought I'm going to check out this meadow that's in front of me here and, uh, and then go for a walk in those woods in front of me just to myself 
So I'm kind of like facing the sun by this time. It's about 10.30, 11 in the morning. And uh, get my uh, everything all set up. I get out of the truck, close the door real careful. And I only had it on one click because I didn't want to slam the door. And then because if you see birds fly off, then you know you made too much noise. <laughs> so I just click. And then I just waited for probably 20 minutes or so, uh, just hunkered down in, in front of my vehicle, just watching and waiting. And uh, pretty soon I started to see a few little critters running around on the ground. And then I started hearing the squirrels moving and then a few birds. And then pretty soon the squirrels started running around. So then I knew, okay, everything seems calm uh, around me. Like the animals are getting to know that I'm just here. I'm not, you know, a threat to them. So they're calm. So I just listened and smelled and um, decided, well, 20 minutes are up here and nothing is really happening. Um, I haven't seen anything sneak up on the edge of the bush or anything like that. So I thought, well, I'm all alone. And the meadow that was in front of me was, we had the Skidster Road that kind of snaked kind of like a little bit of a, an S-bend uh, over a 300-meter area and then into the heavy bush. Yes. And uh, so I didn't want to get into too much of that because you can't go anywhere. And then if you ever get something, then you got there's a whole bunch of sawing and cutting. <laughs> I dig a trail in there and out. And uh, like if you shoot a moose in heavy bush, it's, uh, that's when the heavy work starts. Eh? So I didn't want to do too much heavy work because I'm all by myself. So I, uh, I start walking across this field and uh, taking my time. And um, I was in my stealth hunting mode, so I wasn't just strolling along. I was, I was crouched down, and I was trying to keep my profile low um, because I had all this nice grass. It was just over knee high. It was almost to my waist in places. And uh, it's uneven ground, but uh, I'm walking across there, and, uh, and then... My whole nice day and my peaceful time um, completely changed um, at that instant. Um, I, I, I clearly remember um, taking a step and then this sudden loud noise that just, I just froze in my steps. It, it sounded like a, like a freight train, but it, it was like it had a whistle on it. And it also had a lot, like there was three different tones clearly in that, but I didn't know how a creature could make that sound. But he was not far from me. He was to my right and probably 30, 30 yards, if that. And he, when he jumped up, uh, he was, uh, I, my first impression was, what is, how can that big thing be there? Uh, like that's not real. Like I thought I was having an hallucination for a second, but it was like this thing is real. And when it was yelling, it was shaking the inside of my my body, like my guts. And it's 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 huge, and its head is stuck on its shoulders. There's no neck, and it's not looking at me. It's totally focused, but he's in a massive rage. It seems to me, the moose goes across this the, in front of me, and by this time they're about uh, 
80 feet. They're, they're quite a bit farther away from me. I haven't moved at all. And I jumped that road. There was fur flying. He was still grabbing and slashing at the hindquarters of this big moose. And the moose is just nonstop bellering and screaming. And I've never heard a critter scream like um, a moose scream like that before. And I'm, I did a lot of stuff for a long time with hunters and uh, outfitting and guiding and all that. And, and uh, I, you know, guys have taken bad shots and then you have to finish the animal and then sometimes they make noises and that, but I've never heard an animal make this kind of a sound. It was, you could, uh, it was beyond words that that animal was terrified, just beyond words. I didn't know a moose could get scared like that. Uh, if I can do it that way. But anyways, off into the bush it goes into the east. They're scrapping, knocking trees down, bellering. Um, I can see the moose, its hindquarters are kicking up, kicking up, and and uh, it's just um, mesmerizing. I'm still thinking, should I move? What should I do? And um, for a flighting second or two, I, I quickly check my six, and above me and all around, thinking, is there uh, how many more, or is there anything else coming at us? What other animals are there? And, like, there was, I didn't see anything, so, but I just had a sense that maybe there was something. I didn't know. I dismissed it, but I was just hyper alert, like I said. And um, I, uh, I put my focus back onto this um, this moose and this Sasquatch fighting it, and they kind of run towards me a little bit, but then they the moose darts across the goes east again across the uh, this um, uh, skidster road, and then is heading off into the trees again, off into the east, just at a dead run. And uh, this thing is just on it, on it, and yelling this huge kind of like a train whistle. I don't know how to explain it. It was a very large, loud yell, and it just, like, your attention was totally focused on that because it was so overwhelming, that noise. And uh, off they went again, trees falling down again. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any let up or are these things getting tired or what, you know? Like, we're getting on here and, and, uh, with that kind of strength being pushed out. And uh, that moose and this critter start fighting again in the woods and knocking more trees over. Out it comes and comes running across the road again and into the bush. And this time it's not long and it's running back the other way. And now it's, it's uh, for the third time really going east. And I think, okay, that's it. He's either going to kill it now or, or um, that moose is going to get away somehow or something because it's like a neck and neck battle here. And um, it seemed to me at this point when they got, oh, probably 50, 60 meters into the woods, that the moose connected with that, with one of the tying hoofs to that critter's, uh, either his head or close to it in his chest area, and, and like knocked it down, like smacked it hard enough to knock it down. And then it bolted, and that moose come running at me with its ears flat, Eyes rolled back, bellying and screaming straight towards me. And this thing is coming, getting up and coming at me now. And it's in a freaking nasty rage. It's just screaming. It's showing its teeth. And he's just, uh, 
he's got his arms up in the air and he's oh my god it's just a fright even to think about it now but he comes they both of them are now coming at me in and then like it seemed like a half a second they were on top of me and he landed right beside the moose and he got a hold of that moose's antlers with one of his hands the right hand i believe and then the left hand he had him by the uh, this moose by the shoulders and then he just did this horrific yank and he had the moose's antlers and that neck snapped bef- uh, in front of the shoulders and it, I saw the broken bone of the, the neck go down underneath the hide about halfway uh, down its back and the moose just dropped and, uh, and when it was dropping, this huge thing was eyeball to eyeball. He put its head, the, uh, the moose's eye, right to his eye. And, and they went down together, and that was the last time I saw him. And after about 30 seconds of stillness, you couldn't hear anything. There wasn't a chirping bird or nothing was moving. And that was the most amazing stillness I've ever, ever been in. And there was no sound at, at all. And then I had a real sense that I I should leave, and uh, and uh, but I was uh, really actually had a real concern that I was going to make way too much noise for these animals, and that I wasn't going to be able to get out because I was making too much noise. So my exit uh, took me about uh, 20 minutes, and I was only walking like 200 yards. And I was still in the meadow. I didn't, and my truck. I could still see my truck barely but i could still see it and i just started to walk very very slowly like i was moving my feet and and then i would shift my weight and then just pick up my foot very very carefully and then place it only like a a a footstep farther ahead of me a few inches and then gently put it down well all along i'm looking around me and my and uh, uh 360 the whole time like my head was on a swivel the for the whole 20 minutes, and uh, I was I was about as alert as I've ever been in my life. In other situations, I've been very alert, but uh, I, I think this was was right up there with the with, uh, with the number one being alert. I knew my life was in danger if that thing came at me. I just knew that I was going to have a real tough time uh, surviving that kind of an attack. And I really didn't think that the rifle that I had was enough gun. And also I thought, well, what am I going to shoot? Like, I've never seen this creature before. Like, where does it have vital signs? Like, which, like the head, obviously, but you shoot a running animal in the head, good luck. Especially when it's charging you. There's, a, there's a, probably a 90% chance you're going to miss. And, uh, you know, and, and you go center mass, well... I've shot bears that just don't, don't even slow down, and you've killed them. You've shot their heart right out of them, but they keep running. They come right to you. So I didn't want that thing engaging me. So I just kept moving, kept moving. Um, and then that sense of, is there others around here like this creature? Um, and I was searching my eyes, all the meadow, the grass in front of me that was really close because this thing jumped up so close and I was uh, really surprised that a moose that big was hiding from me that close 
uh, I was really quite amazed at that. And uh, there wasn't any bushes there to hide behind either. But um, and it's just uh, amazing to me that the, that animal was, I, I, that moose was like trying to dig himself into the ground to hide, it seemed to me. Because I had never, never seen a moose lay flat like that or, or, um, or ever have even seen a scene like that. My God, I don't even know how to express that. But uh, that was what I thought was my very first encounter with these creatures. And uh, I managed to get into my truck. Um, I, I, I rolled the windows down. I had my, um, my uh, I, I, made, I loaded all my rifles immediately. And then I, uh, I set them so that I could grab them. I had one poking out the window. And then I backed up, and for the 20 kilometers out till I hit the highway, I had my, my rifle at the ready. And uh, um, I, because I'm driving a rough road, we can't just step on the gas and go, eh? So I'm probably doing a fast trot at the very most with my vehicle getting out of there. It's, it's, a, it's a skidster-type road. So there's potholes, and you're going over lots of rough ground. But um, I got out of there, and then uh, I, I just went home. I couldn't go hunting anymore. And um, my wife was like, what? Does it matter with you? What happened? Because as soon as she saw me, she knew there was something up. And I said, I don't know what I saw out there. But some, I just, and I told her what I, I just told you. And now I, uh, I said, I don't know what to think of that. Like, I... I've never seen an animal like that. Was, and she says, well, I think what you saw was real. When I spoke to Randa, it was clear that he still struggled with this event. He had tried to breach the subject with some of his hunting partners, but they just distanced themselves from Randa. Randy said, we were raised not to believe in the hairy man stories. If you did, you could lose your friends, your relationships and your job if you went public with an encounter. I think that's really sad because if there's one place in the world where Sasquatch could exist, it is definitely VC. There's a mass amount of wilderness out there and every food and resource you could imagine. Searching online for similar reports in the area did prove fruitful. I found a couple of cases that could coincide with the creature witnessed by Randa. A giant howler monkey was reported back in the 70s and the witness who made the statement said, I was staying with a friend up at the Slocum Valley in the BC next to Kootenays. Myself and a local guy decided to climb a hill behind my friend's place. We climbed for about six hours, ended up on a bench kind of plateau, very close to Perry's Peak Mountain. The forest was lush and we couldn't see more than 15 to 20 feet into the undergrowth. We sat down by a trickle of water and within moments we heard it. I know all of the North American animal vocalisations and what we heard was not one of them. It was a sound, a deep sound and it sounded like it was coming from a very large set of lungs and it sounded like the words woo woo. Whatever it was, sounded off a few more times to my front left and then another woo woo sounded to my right. 
we could not see anything, but the sounds, animal voices were really loud. Whatever was yelling at us sounded like it was about 10 yards away, but we could not see it. We backed out and went back down the slopes as quickly as we could. He said, I never saw anything, but the woo-woo I heard sounded very much like a 600-pound howler monkey or a really big ape. I know exactly where we climbed, and I haven't been back in 45 years. Around that time, there was a lady writing a book about Sasquatch, about 15 miles away from Lemon Creek, where there had been over 60 sightings. One family got more than they bargained for when they went bear hunting one day in the area. The witness was driving down a logging road, bear hunting with his wife and children at approximately 9.30, when they spotted what appeared to be the rear end of a bear entering the left-hand side of a cut line for a power line they were driving by. The witness exited the vehicle, walked down the cut line about 50 yards to where the animal had entered the bushes. When he arrived, on the right-hand side of the cut line, opposite to where the animal was spotted entering the brush, the poplar trees were about six to eight feet in diameter and they began to shake violently. The witness described it as an explosion of movement in the bush next to him. Immediately, he saw two very large hands start to part the trees and bushes with fingers approximately just smaller than a Red Bull can, he said, and approximately the length of his entire hand. And then the witness was face to face with an animal they can only describe as a Sasquatch. The witness could see the forehead and the nose well. However, the mouth was obscured by a bush. The witness described the head to be the width of a basketball, with golf ball-sized eyes, a large pronounced barrel ridge, a large forehead with very little hair. It had a flattened nose with nostrils the size of two thumbs, side by side, and its hair was matted. The witness described the eyes as having been dark brown in colour with no whites. He also mentioned seeing eyelashes on the eyelids of the creature. He raised his rifle to the creature and he immediately retreated into the forest, 20 to 40 yards away from the witness. The witness's his wife was flashing the lights of the truck because she'd seen the creature, although not well, from the side. Where the truck was parked, she could see it moving in the brush. The wife described the animal as hunched over significantly, approximately an estimated three feet from its true height. Although she could not see it in detail, she said she could see its shape in the bush and she could see it moving throughout the encounter. Her husband began to make his way back to the truck. However, Every second step he took, the trees would shake just 15 yards into the tree line. That tree shaking followed him all the way back to the truck where he got in. They immediately heard a deep woo sound several times. They heard a bang on the truck roof and sped a short distance away. But they pulled over to see what had hit the truck and it was a huge clump of mud and grass as if it had been ripped from the ground and thrown at the truck. The witness did return to the site of the encounter afterwards and he found what he described to be a possible handprint in the mud on the cut line and some suspicious impressions, although they did not show any distinct detail.
He also found a tree that was stripped of branches to about seven feet high and the bark was peeled down towards the ground. The sap was fresh and running coming from the damaged area. The area was generally disturbed, he said, with broken branches and some upturned ground. Now, the witness is an experienced hunter and outdoorsman, and he said that he never believed in Sasquatch until this encounter. Randy was the same. He said he didn't really know the subject very well. It was something they heard when they were younger, and, you know, people just kind of poo-pooed it. But these are outdoor men who were used to being outside. Randy's a bear um, manager, so he manages bear populations. He has tree stands and things like that. He knows a bear when he sees it in the woods. Joe is an experienced outdoorsman. He likes to hunt. He knows his stuff. He couldn't identify the creature that he saw that night. All of these creatures were seen upright on two legs. And I know a bear can do that, but bears have a very pronounced snout and normally have ears on top of the head. And the shape is wrong. A bear's kind of barrel shaped all the way down. With a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot, you're looking at very broad shoulders, but a much narrower waist. I'm not saying a narrow waist. I'm just saying it's narrower than the extensive width of the shoulders. Usually said that their arms hang low to about the mid-size. And it really interested me when the gent said the fingers were almost the size of Red Bull cans. Can you imagine that, swiping at a moose? So I hope you've enjoyed the interviews that I've brought you tonight. I'm going to rest up this week and try and get better. Um, and hopefully I'll be back next Saturday. But if not, I'll be back as soon as I can. Good night, everyone. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.